And let's pray. Father, teach us who we are so that we may know how to live. Teach us who we are in Christ, the one who died and was raised, and in whose death and resurrection we share. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about expressing who you are in Christ. There are some destructive and damaging ideas about, ideas or attitudes that kind of point people in the wrong direction. For example, the idea that life consists in the abundance of your possessions. Now, this is perhaps not openly professed by many, but it is wordlessly suggested by a great deal in our culture. And this idea that life consists in the abundance of your possessions generates greed, it generates covetousness, it generates exploitation or fraud or shallow materialism in the place of true humanity. It's an idea that does not give birth to good things in people's lives. Or perhaps the attitude that the ends justify the means. Uh, This idea, if taken to heart, may encourage people to, well, frankly, to lie, to do harm, even to kill in the name of advancing some cause, some goal which is thought to be good and justified by these means. Well, what about this? What about the doctrine that God's grace abounds over all our sin? Because that is what we heard last week from the Apostle Paul. God's grace abounds over all our sin. Does this end up giving us permission to carry on as we please? Even to an incentive to kind of go on in sin? Does God's promise that all our sin is covered by his grace give us a kind of ticket to behave just as we wish, badly if we like? Because in fact... Perhaps all the better if we behave badly, because the more sin, the more grace, the more glory to God. Last week's passage ended, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul turns then to raise a question which is raised by what he has said. He asks in the first verse of our epistle reading, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He asks this very question. Does the reign of grace which comes through Jesus Christ leave us kind of complacent in sin? Suggest to us perhaps the more sin, the better. Because the more sin, the more grace from God, the more glory to God. So sin away. Is this where the gospel points us? Does it give rise to this problem? The answer that Paul gives in verse 2 is, by no means. And he says then, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Paul in this passage is going to tell why the reign of grace has no place for sin. And the reason is that It is not just that Jesus died for us, 
but it is also that we died with Jesus. And that means just as he died to sin, we have died to sin as well. There is a way in which Jesus' death involves us. That makes a big difference. We're going to look firstly at the passage and then our lives. The passage has one central and important idea that Christians share in Jesus' death and resurrection. First, we share in Jesus' death. It involves us. It affects us. It changes us. Verse 3, Paul says, Oh, don't you know that all of us who are baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were plunged into it. We were immersed in it. The waters of Christian baptism signify Jesus' death, the death he died for human sinners. And to enter those waters is symbolically to enter into Jesus' death. And spiritually, that is the reality that happens when we become Christians. We enter into Jesus' death. And baptism is a visible sign of this spiritual reality that we read in verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. The old self is who you were as a sinner, roaming far from home with God, caught up in stuff that did you no good. Perhaps it was greed or pride or anger. Perhaps it was guilt or shame or self-loathing. Perhaps it was bitterness or grief or hopelessness. Perhaps it was boredom, frustration and unsatisfiable desire. This is the old self. And the body ruled by sin is we human beings led around by our bad desires, our little hatreds, our little rivalries, our careless passivity, our self-indulgence. Now, we might dearly wish to be rid of these things. We may not like them in our lives, but in our own strength, we cannot make ourselves new. We cannot make ourselves free from these things. But we died with Jesus. And this opens up new possibilities for us. Verse 6 again. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. These new possibilities of a new life free from sin and alive to God, are ours because of Jesus' resurrection. Verse 4, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The newness and the freedom of Jesus' resurrection life is ours just as surely as Jesus' death is ours. Paul says this a number of times in verse 5. For, we, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
Or verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Now this resurrection that Paul speaks of and hopes for is still a future, um, a future hope and expectation for us. It's not a current reality, but this hope and expectation, the life which we look forward to, does touch our lives already. It orients us away from sin and towards life with the good and upright God. Verses 10 and 11, the death Jesus died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. And so, the reign of God's grace is not simply kind of a shower of forgiveness upon human sin. Ah, don't worry about it. When you come under the reign of grace, you are united to Jesus in his death and your relationship to sin changes and it is now your past. It is not your fate. And so, verses 11 to 13, Paul says, count yourselves dead to sin. Reckon yourselves, think of yourselves, understand yourselves to be dead to sin. But, Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. The Christian life is about becoming who we are in Christ. In Christ, we aren't under the reign of sin. We don't have any obligations to sin or any reason to follow sin's Promptings. In Christ we belong to God. We are under his grace and hence we are in the service of righteousness. And Paul says, therefore, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. So let's think about how this touches our lives, shall we? And again, if the big point of the passage is that we share in both Jesus' death and resurrection, then the big exhortation, I guess, that Paul wants to make and that I want to pass on is that we should strive to express who we are in Christ, you and I. Now, our culture is a bit obsessed with the thought that we should express who we are in all our lives. Have you heard the, uh, the saying, you do you? You find out who you are and you do that. And I'll do me. I'll find out who I am and I'll do that. We'll express who we are in our lives. We'll be true to ourselves. We'll live authentically. The uh, philosopher Charles Taylor, observing our moment, has called our age the age of authenticity. Uh, And he describes the ethic of our moment as expressive individualism. That is, we are to discover and express our individuality. Does this ring true? Well, we Christians are to discover and express who we are, who we are in Christ. And through him and through faith in him, we are those who have been brought from death to life. 
We are those who have died with Christ and who are dead to sin. We are those who can live to God. We can live a new life. A life offered to God in the cause of righteousness, of what is good and right and true and worthy. This is how we are to understand ourselves. And we are to express this by offering ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of ourselves as an instrument of righteousness. Now, we are not going always to succeed in expressing this truth about who we are. We, we do not do that. We will still fall. We will still sin. We will still follow sin's desires. We will fail to express who we are in Christ. But we won't be content to fail, fall, sin and go on in that way. We will, we will turn and return to who we are in Christ. We will return because we are those who have been brought from death to life. And we will return to offer ourselves to God once again as instruments of righteousness. This is the Christian life, this returning, this offering, this re-offering of ourselves. It's the constant task of repentance. Now, in the end, this self-offering to God, look, see that it does not happen because we feel guilty and are terrified of what God might do to us. It does not happen because we have a desire to perform and to accrue merit and to gain credit so that we might stand higher with God. Sometimes Christians can be driven by guilt or by fear of punishment or by the desire to perform and win merit for it. But, but in the end, the place that we will come to as we understand more deeply what it means for God to have saved us is that guilt and fear do not figure in why we do what we do. And the desire to perform and to win merit, credit, so we can stand higher on our own account, does not figure in why we do what we do. But we offer ourselves to God because in Christ we have been brought from death to life. And we, we rejoice in that. We are secure in it. We are grateful for it. And we seek to live out who God has made us. We express this by offering every part of ourselves as instruments of righteousness. So Christians are not law keepers, rule keepers. We're not merit earners. We're not living to hopefully, I hope, maybe God will let me into heaven in the end. That's not the way Christians understand themselves in relation to God and in relation to the lives we lead. Christians strive to express who we are and know ourselves to be in Christ. We are those who have died to sin. And so how can we live in it any longer? Christians are not expressing who we are in and of ourselves. We're not 
tapping into some internal innate goodness about us, some decency that makes us instruments of righteousness that comes from us and ourselves. No, we are tapping into the power of Jesus' death and the power of his new life and the way that that involves us and flows to us, it affects us and changes us. Verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Christians strive to express who we are in Christ. Now this passage doesn't talk about what Christians do or don't do in concrete terms. It doesn't talk about pride and greed or theft and adultery or about love and generosity and honesty and faithfulness. It's not talking about particular virtues to cultivate and vices to flee, but it is talking about the reasons why Christians do what they do in turning away from sin and in turning to God and his righteousness. And so let me just finish by asking, why do you do what you do? Why do you live how you live? Is it because that's how your mum brung you up? Is it because you definitely don't want to get thrown into hell? Is it because you are a good person who makes the right choices? Is it because you're a rotten person who pretty much lets yourself and everyone else down regularly? Well, none of those are the Christian way of understanding who we are and what we, why we do what we do. Christian says, I am dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's why I do what I do. If you're a Christian, this is a truth to understand, to internalise and to express in your life. Don't you know, says Paul, that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We were, therefore, buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Let's pray. Father, teach us who we are in Christ and show us how that changes the way we live and the reasons we do what we do. Help us, Lord, to understand that, to internalise that and to express that in our lives, that we might be those who, as those brought from death to life, live a new life. In Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.